everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to the Make Life Matter podcast. This is your go-to place for anyone craving fresh ways to apply God's word to your everyday life. Every week, we sit down with a riveting guest, and today is no exception. I am so honored to be with Mickey Robinson, and I'm going to introduce you to him in just a moment. But if you happen to have missed last week, you're going to want to tune in to Robbie Raw. She's the author of The Raw Truth. She is a nurse, she's a nutrition expert, a fitness expert, and she helps us manage our stress, know how to just live our best life, and and you're really going to love that conversation. The next week, I sit down with Kim Aldrich. She's a writer, a speaker, and she's a come-alongside mentor. We talked about depression, we talked about the miracle that God has done in her life, and now the way she is making her life matter for the kingdom. But today, I am with Mickey Robinson. As a 19-year-old professional skydiver, Mickey underwent a plane crash that left him with catastrophic injuries. After a near-death experience, which we'll talk about in a moment, Mickey courageously overcame multiple terminal medical complications and recovered miraculously, as documented in his memoir, Falling into Heaven. Since his second chance of life, he has been a public speaker nationally and internationally, sharing words of encouragement and hope that continue to change lives and inspire people of all ages. Mickey and his wife live outside of Franklin, Tennessee, and I'll put this in my show notes, but you can learn more about him at MickeyRobinson.com. Well, welcome, Mickey. I am so honored to have you with us today. Well, good day to you and to all of you who are listening. Well, Mickey, I, I've had the privilege of reading your book, Supernatural Courage, which we'll talk about a little bit today. But for people who don't know you, tell us all the things about you, your family, where you're from, kind of what ministry is looking like for you right now in this season. Okay, I was born in in suburbs around Cleveland, Ohio, and grew up there in a little town called Independence, Ohio, which uh, is just south of Cleveland. It was a typical, I was a child in the 1950s and a young adult and a teenager and a late, you know, grew in adulthood in the late 60s. And, uh, you know, I was raised as, a, as an infant in church, but it was not a church that really preached the gospel, big denominational church. And I never knew what a Christian was. I knew what going to church was. And I knew all about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. And I never, to my knowledge, I never met one Christian, nor was anybody ever explained to me or testify about being a Christian or having answered prayer, anything that was significant. So as things rapidly changed in the 1960s, uh, I did as well. And I I would say that I grew up in what uh, talk show hosts would call today a dysfunctional family. Uh, Actually, I would say we all grew up in a dysfunctional planet, various degrees, but I I was busy trying to find my place in the world. And so I was using my talents and, uh, and so forth with sports and style and picking friends and all that stuff. But all of that becomes more and more actually, you know, self-centered, self-focused on how you can get ahead or, do that and basically I began actually more and more living for the moment and I was always fascinated with things and you know I worked as a young guy 
and bought my own stuff, my own car, my own stuff. And I was really good at sports and I was on a championship football team. I was a gymnast. I was on a swim team. I just seemed to have athletic ability and I enjoyed it and I was good at it. And I was always fascinated with aviation from a child, whether it was the balloons, airplanes, the Wright brothers, and then NASA. I just was always reading, studying it. And I started flying airplanes. Uh, just prior to that, I, as I graduated from high school, I, I talked my way into a job I had no qualifications for in a stock brokerage firm. And, you know, the thing about excitement and about things in the world, it's always good, but it's never enough. And you always need a little bit more. And uh, I started flying airplanes. And then I found out it was a lot more fun to jump out of them. Now, some people might not think that is, uh, is a good idea. But I would say, well, you must have been an adrenaline junkie. Well, I wasn't because I wasn't afraid. I actually, it was the pleasure. I actually think that things that please people is actually a real more of a motivation than just, you know, adrenaline or things like that. And I was good at it. And after a short period of time, I was asked to be on a professional demonstration team, which was pretty much unheard of. And unbeknownst to me, even though we were living in a troubled world, I wasn't thinking of trouble. I was only thinking of the pleasure for that moment uh, of skydiving. And I was uh, making a practice jump with... Uh, uh, we started our own our own team, and we had a club. We started, and we had three students, and and uh, going, and then two two of us were, were were professionals. We were going up on a practice jump, and we lost the engine right after takeoff, and crashed into the ground. I got trapped inside the airplane as well as the pilot, where four skydivers escaped. It was a devastating crash. I was soaked with fuel. The plane exploded. I had massive injuries. I uh, hit my head when we hit the we hit a tree. I was stuck inside, I was soaked with fuel, the plane exploded and I was on fire from head to toe. My partner who started the club went back in the burning airplane, pulled me out heroically, put out the fire, and it was actually a mess. And then on the way to the hospital, I remember for the first time in my life, a person who didn't really know God and a Lord that I never served, I called out, I said, God, help, help. It was the simple, and it's probably the most common prayer globally, is this God help. And uh, later on, when they got me in the hospital, and they determined the injuries were horrible. And even though I was so healthy, I would probably not live through the night. Um, I had a brain injury. I had lacerations. I was burned over a massive part of my body. And uh, they thought I would just die of shock. Well, I made it through the night. But then the complications that can come with this kind of injury and they tried to prevent them all, but I, got, I developed many complications, many of them to a level of being fatal. And after all hope was gone and they called in a specialist, uh, I had an experience that I'd never heard of. My spirit left my body. Immediately, I entered a spiritual dimension. I was experiencing uh, various things that there's no way you can experience them in this earthly realm. My spirit came back into my body and I awoke into the shock of the doctors and nurses that were around the bed watching all this happen. And now I was alive. I was still, nothing had changed, but I was now full of the love of God, of the power of the Holy Spirit and the Lord himself. Wow. That's so amazing. I mean, your story is amazing in and of itself, but I find that component of it such a unique dynamic that you didn't know the Lord prior and then he met you in such a powerful and unique way I'm sure that completely shifted the trajectory of your life and can you walk us through I know you talk a lot about that in your memoir falling into heaven but you know what about your recovery process where did you draw strength from from that time what did life look like for you after that well, it's, it, it is remarkable because even though I had whatever I had prior to this, 
I was a different person afterwards. Uh, and uh, the difference was that I called out to God and God answered me. And I just think it, it was extreme mercy. Now, I want to share just about, because a lot of people want to know, what was it like, the heavenly encounter? I want to share three of the most shocking or the stunning things. One was immediately becoming totally comprehensible of eternity. Mm-hmm. As long as we live here, we can never really comprehend eternity because we're still we're still involved in 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 time something is new it gets old something is born it will die we're in time and space but in eternity everything is everlasting and that was astounding and it was stunning the other thing was uh, the manifest presence of god is is absolutely it's so glorious it's it's unbelievable but one of the most amazing things and this is hard to explain as well is is my experience was it i was my consciousness was this as if I had never done anything wrong, which is, that's not possible. <laughs> but because somehow that little repentance got me through the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. And that I was likened in the experience where it says that God forgives and he forgets. We don't know how that can be, but it's as if I had never done anything wrong. It's, it's unbelievable. And the third thing I want to share is the most powerful thing of all. And there's things I saw and they're really, really amazing. Um, but the most powerful thing about everything is the undiluted, perfect love of God. That is unbelievable. Those three were the most shocking things to be loved with that incredible power and full force without not based on anything I did but based on relationship. And that's what I came back with. And so I'm laying there. Nothing had changed when I woke up. Uh, and the doctors are staring at me. And I had the ability to perceive spiritually what was going on with these uh, doctors and nurses around the bed. And they were terrified. And I had, had compassion for them. I felt bad that they felt bad. You can imagine that. I had everything wrong with me. <laughs> but, you know, I probably, in a natural sense, this might have been the healthiest way I could have ever been. There was nothing I could base it on in terms of promise, but I was actually almost carefree. Can you believe it? I mean, it's, wow. it's incomprehensible. That is what's called, as an example, of peace that surpasses understanding. Hmm. And that's what uh, I call here miracles in the middle of a mess, because how in the world, in the middle of what you're dealing with, that, that God is able, and, and, and I, I guess what I'm fascinated about, Mickey, is you didn't have a relationship with the Lord. You're, you're in this really hang life hanging in the balance moment. And you, you immediately, it sounds like understood what had happened to you. You immediately understood you were in the presence of heaven. Like no one had to explain that to you. Right. And you immediately sensed a a change in you. Well, this, the love, it's like, it's not just that I remembered or was impacted by the love of God, God himself. And that love was in me. Hmm. And that's what was able to come out of me. And like, I, I couldn't, and put it into words or quoted scripture, but it could actually was living it and doing it. And it, it was, it was incredible. And I, you know, they were still waiting for me to die, you know, that, and I didn't die that day or the next day or the day after that. And then they said, well, I was, you know, I was, I was blind in my right eye. Both legs had nerve damage below my knees. My leg, the nerves were dead. They said I never walk again. And it just began to, it was a trickle of life coming back into a completely devastated mm-hmm. person about nine or 10 months, I was in a rehabilitation hospital and the legs were paralyzed and the legs came back to life because I spoke to them. and I didn't know anything about that. I was blind for five and a half years in my right eye. It was restored. The doctors have no explanation of that. There was many other things that, that, are, that are beyond science. 
I was healed because of therapy. I was healed through the hands of doctors. I was healed sovereignly, which was, is miracles. But the biggest thing I want to say is to be forgiven and experience the love of God and to have an ongoing relationship with the Lord. Hmm. That was, it, it always needed upgrading as it does for all of us. One of the things in, in the book is, um, the first chapter is called Courage to Hope. You know, and we need hope. People need, today would be a good example of it. People need to have, and it's not a whimsical, maybe if, or I'd like it to be. It's like having a, a, a real expectation that God's going to do something. We may not have the specifics, uh, and expectation's a real thing. It, it says in Luke 15 that people were in a state of expectation. They were wondering if John the Baptist was the Christ. So they were expecting him. And so they had hope. And, you know, today, all we ever hear on the news is pretty negative. We need the real stuff of God to give us hope. The second thing is, is, is I say, you know, it takes courage to ex initially accept the Lord. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, that, you said that, a minute that, ago, that, that, you said a minute ago, the greatest miracle Jesus himself said is salvation. So that, that takes faith. It takes expectation. It takes a miracle just for that salvation experience to happen. And we know that salvation, that grace is, you know, like a, salvation is a free gift. But to follow Jesus as a disciple, that takes more courage. A different absolutely, kind. absolutely. You know, so I, my invitations to people is more about following him than just accepting him. Salvation is a free gift, but to be a disciple will cause you to have to surrender everything. And the Lord put together a give back his plan for your life. And that was probably a big deal for me because the first thing, I mean, it was the first year being alive, just hanging by a thread. And then it was a lot of restoration. And in that time, there was a lot of spiritual help the Lord was giving me, but I was also then breaking out into a world that had changed. I was changed, but the world had changed around me as well. Hmm. So it is a challenge to follow the Lord and it takes a different kind of courage. And I like your subtitle of Supernatural Courage, Activating Spiritual Bravery to Win Today's Battle. So talk a little bit about the message of that, Mickey. What do you mean when you say to us, and I'm reading the book, so I, I, I know what you mean, and I, I've, I've read the chapters you're referring to, and it's a powerful, powerful book. If you're listening, you need to get it. Well, one of the initial things, first of all, when God calls us to do something, he doesn't call us to what we can do. He calls it to what we can't do without him. It's kind of remarkable. But he says to Joshua, who was Moses' assistant all those years, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. I'm sure that wasn't a news release for Joshua. He, said, and he, he says to him three times in four verses, be strong and courageous. One time he amplifies and says, be very courageous. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. You know, anybody who's been around for a while might have a little bit of enlightenment to say, Okay, God, what am I going to have to be so brave for? But usually when God speaks, it's pretty exciting. But the Lord actually gave Joshua a commandment to be courageous and do not be dismayed. Don't be shaken up. So when the Lord calls us, he empowers us. Now, we know that there were, Joshua and Caleb were two of the 12 spies that went out into the land. Ten of them came back and they said, it's just like the Lord said it would be, blah, blah, blah. But you got to eat these things in front of giants. It's too weird. Let's go back. And their negative report or their... The people, it said, caused the hearts of the people to melt. But Joshua and Caleb were of a different spirit. They believed when they first heard it that they could do it. It says in Exodus 23, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to send my angels before you. I'm going to send bees before you. I'm going to drive out the Amalekites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the termites, the dog bites. I'm going to get all that bad stuff out. <laughs> all the ites. <laughs> we, gotta, we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. But I believe that, that brave, if we believe God and believe his word, that's why it's important 
for us to be people of prayer. One of the things the Lord gave me as a definition a long time, you know, there's three pillars of the prophetic, edification, exhortation, and comfort. But exhortation is like, is like it's imparting to people spiritual bravery. And we need it. You know? mm. And it's not hype. You can hype people up. We've seen sports and we've seen other salespeople. You can get hyped up. But spiritual bravery is a work of the Holy Spirit and our spirit joining together and going forth. Wow, I love that. I love that explanation of it. And you, 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 sim- you put it in such simple terms that any of us can understand and kind of demystify even the concept of the prophetic to say it's exhortation, it's encouragement, it's comfort, and, and it's our cooperation with the Holy Spirit. So that was an experience you had at 19. And of course, it changed you. It, it dramatically shifted your life. But walk us through just kind of, you know, a, a a bird's eye view of your life, Mickey. How have you chosen to make your life matter for the kingdom? And I know you have in so many ways. It was a process. I, my first responsibility was just to cooperate with the healing. And it, during that time, because it was, I was in and out of the hospital for like five years. Wow. And I had to deal with stuff like our society had changed. This was a period of time of v- Vietnam War, social protests, music. You talk about that. I was right. in the hospital for almost two years straight and I came out and the whole, I was changed, but the whole world had changed. But it wasn't, it wasn't what I was against. It's who was for me. And the Lord began to lead me. I began to be discipled by the Lord. And then I began to meet certain people. And then I realized it was a big deal to realize I had to call a God in my life. I just wanted to be a good guy, take care. I met my wife, Barbara. I've been married for a long time now, since 1973. Oh, we have four adult lady. children. We have seven amazing grandchildren. It's wonderful. And it's amazing when you lose everything and you get stuff back, it's always more significant. I lost, basically, I lost everything at that crash site but basically that version of mickey robinson was dead at the site Mm. but the new one was being put together and uh, much better so i I, you know first there was i was still having pretty big operations when i met barbara but what god was giving me was a spirit-led life that was really one of discovery and it's risky business to put it that way but it's also the most i say that being led of the spirit is the biggest adventure it's the most perilous but it's the only one that's really rewarding. It occurred to Barbara and I about the, the Lord was really calling me. And everything I tried to do, I only had partial or no success. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I was successful at was sharing the gospel of the kingdom, sharing my testimony, preaching. And the Lord began to open doors and actually lay on everything else and gave myself to walking with the Lord that way. And it was, it was quite a journey, you know. And so we've been pastors of churches. Uh, we had two in Ohio that we worked with. Uh, we, Barbara and I had a little farmhouse in a college town called Ashland, Ohio. And then we pastored another church uh, near there for another 10 years in a little town in the middle of nowhere called Butler, Ohio. And we had a variety. It was like the bar in Star Wars. We had a lot of different creatures. Didn't look like each other. <laughs> I'm a Star Wars buff, so I get our dog is named Chewie after Chewbacca. Oh, <laughs> and I find it pretty amazing that someone who was a professional skydiver called living a spirit-filled life the most adventurous thing we can approach and it's not a boring life anyone who thinks somehow serving the lord is a boring life they they didn't read they didn't read the same book we read mention that for a minute mickey what do you mean by that and how have you seen this to be such an amazing adventure for you well first of all i just want to thank the lord and the lord has given me partnership with some of the most amazing people they're making footprints on the earth right now and so it's again I, you still you know just when you think you have it all together you realize that god's not looking for people who've got it all together 
He's looking for people who have their act together. He's looking for people to know that their act is over. You can't yeah. act like a Christian. You can't act right. You got to have it for real. And, uh, and it's just, it's li every little thing is part of the process. And some of those little things turn out to be big things. And we don't know ahead of time what those things are going to be sometimes. And so making a decision like changing careers, having a relationship, being part of a church, changing, all that requires spirit-led faith, or, and which includes a certain kind of bravery, you know, a gift of faith. When it comes, it comes. It's like it's already done. But when you anticipate having to do something, it takes courage to face that. You know, some of the chapters that I have there is, you know, obviously it's courage to hope, courage to be humble, courage to be humble. It takes courage. To, but we, again, we are helped by the word of God. It says, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you at the proper times. So it's our, it's our responsibility to humble ourselves. It's God's responsibility to, to exalt us or give us a promotion. If we start doing God's job, he'll do our job. And you don't want God doing your job. You don't want God humbling you because he's an overachiever. Okay. Does that make sense? And I, oh, that's great. So that's I, great. unfortunately, some of the stuff I learned by experience and I don't want to redo that one. I mean, it is, it, and we live in a challenging world. We don't live in an easy world and the path that the Lord has, is, I mean, we want the boundaries to be in pleasant places, but it's like a river. It's not a concrete canal in a straight line. It like, it has bends in it. It's got flat water. It's got rushing water. We have to listen to the guide on the river of life. And, you know, that has been a lifelong experience. And again, um, God gives us some of the hardest thing. The last chapter, I, I, writing this book was different because it wasn't chronological. It was more topical. And uh, the last thing I wrote was actually the ninth chapter out of 11 was courage to forgive. It's one of the biggest keys and one of the greatest powers, but we will be challenged. And, but there's some stuff I stipulate in there about forgiveness, forgiving, doesn't mean that what someone did or something happened was right. It means really it's something that we do for our benefit more than even at making it right or being a good Christian quote. It's about doing something that releases. And some people life has gone on, even though you may have processed it a certain way. If we don't really have forgiveness in a situation, we may not experience our feelings, but sometimes our feelings get buried, but they're buried alive and they can pop up in kind of ways that are problematic. So forgiveness is obviously such a wonderful thing, and yet it's, it's going to take a certain kind of bravery to forgive. Mm. There's so many great insights, insights in, in Supernatural Courage. I think it's, what, your seventh book, Mickey? Is that right? Well, it's the sixth that I know of. Sixth, <laughs> sixth wrote, book. I'm four, prophetically four speaking five. into one more, apparently. I wrote four. I wrote, I wrote one in, in partnership with a good friend of mine, and uh, Another one I was part of, a, it was very much of an honor to be part of a composite book called What Love Looks Like. Uh, when Love Broke Through the Lives of, was of Six Men and Six Women, and that was really an honor. And so, you know, yeah, but this one was, this one I was asked to do it, and I did, we didn't know that it was going to be so, uh, such a present truth word. And, and I just want, I want, I want to activate people and equip people. And, and the way that we've crafted this is the end of it. There's declarations, there's prayer, there's decree. There's a lot. I mean, I had more actually done. We had to edit a lot about, I want people to put it into practice and it's not, you know, for example, say, well, how do you get courage? It was like, uh, well, it's like humility. When you ask, when you begin to pray, it's actually opening your heart to realize that we need God and we want God or we're responding to God. And, and so that is obviously one of the biggest things is, is just prayer itself. Another thing is, is be able to hear what the Lord's doing. The Lord's speaking to everybody. It's just, we just have to learn how to hear him better. And, 
and out of that will come an ability to get the courage it takes. I mean, where would uh, the apostle Peter have the courage to get out of a boat and go join someone that they think could be a ghost and walk on water? Mm. We, we have to assume that he knows people that are dead at the bottom of that lake. So Peter has a moment of brilliance as he's walking on water. Then he, he gets where he can't see the people in the boat and he can't see Jesus. And he goes, what am I doing? And he sinks. And then Jesus says, why did you doubt? I don't for a minute believe Jesus said, why did you doubt? I think he said, why did you doubt? You were doing the supernatural. And there's no way I believe when I go to heaven and go see the reruns, do I see Jesus walking and Peter swimming back to the boat? Mm. I'm sure he pulled him by his hand. They walked back. And it takes, but sometimes it's like, we're like Peter. We need courage because we're sinking. Other times, maybe in our lives, you know, maybe life has gotten dry or we're not challenged or we're media or we want to do something different. And we need courage to, to get out of the mediocrity that we feel or that we're experiencing. And we need maybe try something new or, or step out in faith and do something. And other times we are walking and we're walking in boldness and we know that we're, we're, we're sustaining the courage that we can never get so confident in ourselves that we forget it's really more about God empowering us. That doesn't mean, humility doesn't mean we think of ourselves. I'm no good. I'm, that, that, that's just as self-centered as arrogance. It's God is more. God is better. God's called me this. I need God. I want more of God. I want more of what he has so that I can do the things that he's called us to do. I love that. I was actually going to ask you what your prayer was for, for anyone who would read the book, but you basically just shared it. That you, you, Your prayer is that we would activate our faith, our supernatural courage, and it's, it doesn't just come in one way. I, you know, I love that you talk about courage. Uh, it comes through humility. We don't necessarily equate those two things together, but very much tied together, linked together. And you know what? I have to be honest, Mickey. I have never in my life, and you know, I'm an ordained minister. I've, I've committed my whole life to studying the word of God. I've never thought about how Peter got back to the boat. And I agree with you. I don't, I, I don't think he swam back. I think the Lord restored that moment and walked back with him. And it just... Like you said, there's so many examples in scripture that we can glean from and not only scripture, but examples like your life, basically fighting back from, you know, just literally dangling by a thread and just seeing the way God has moved in your life. And I want to ask you to pray for our listeners in just a moment and, and they can just hear from just the courage, the encouragement that you are the, before we pray, tell us how people can connect with you. I know you speak all over the country. Uh, where can they go to find you? How would you like to serve, you know, the, the kingdom in the next, this next season? MickeyRobinson.com. You can reach me that way. Uh, there's, uh, there'll be contact information on there. I'm just grateful. I mean, I, I have had the privilege of being on, being, you know, in various churches. I've been on conferences. We've been on various teams all over the world and ABC, Fox, all the different Christian TVs. And even I was part of a special on the History Channel. I know I was a little bit dead, but I didn't think I was that historic yet. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and it went on, and I didn't know, but it was all over the world. And, they, and, they, and I was the only one that really had a positive message. Uh, it was a two-hour special. And, and so I'm grateful to be able to communicate. And I want to encourage the people. Our ability to speak life is stronger than we really measure and estimate. And I hear a trickle of testimonies. And there was much more about some people that got affected by me. And for that, I'm very grateful. And I realized, but one of the best things that I can do is help and encourage and give a little impartation, give people a little push that they can do it. The best stories will be written through an individual who believes God. 
I could listen to you all day and, and I'm absolutely loving your book. I'm almost finished with it. Supernatural Courage, Activating Spiritual Bravery to Win Today's Battle by Mickey Robinson. You don't have to live in defeat. You can live victorious. And he has been a source of personal encouragement to me behind the scenes. So Mickey, I just want to thank you so very much. Thank you for being a guest today. Thank you for what you have imparted and deposited, not only into my life, but into our listeners today. And I would just want to invite you to close our time today by praying over our listeners. Lord, I just want to thank you for Angela. And I thank you for her husband, for their church and for their ministry. And we just come into agreement right now. And Lord, even as we want to encourage one another to pray for our nation, pray for our leaders, pray for our church leaders in our cities. Lord, I want to pray right now for this audience that's listening. Lord, I just thank you that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith, that you, our Lord Jesus, is the bravest of all. That you came to earth and became incarnate as a man. And you faced everything that we face and that you overcame and you've destroyed the power of sin and death. And we are living in this power by, by faith and grace. Father, I just pray right now that you would encourage these believers, these people that hear this, and even those that maybe are in uncertainty, maybe those that have some seemingly unsolvable problem to come before you with hope, expectation, and realization to lay hold of that for which you've laid hold of them. That four-letter word in the English translation, that. The Lord laid hold of us, but he laid hold of us for his purposes. I pray right now. I pray an impartation through the word of God, through songs that they'll sing, through words that they'll read, through things they'll hear from friends or circumstances, and believe that God, above all, is greater than all these things. And he's a leader. He gives his word is a lamp for our feet. We are not walking around in the dark. We are walking in the light. I speak light. I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that each one of us would know you better and walk with you closer. I ask that in the strong name of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that you'd raise up a movement, a new movement of a different kind in our nation and every nation that shows that people are loving, that people are bold, and people are zealous, and we're walking forward. We're not standing still or going back. We thank you for that in the strong name of Jesus. And we ask it on behalf of our friends and our families as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. I'd love to stay connected. So be sure to visit AngelaDonatio.com for my books, blogs, and free goodies. And find me on Facebook at AngelaDonatioVOV and Instagram at AngelaDonatio. If you've been inspired to make life matter, leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's keep discovering miracles in life's messy moments.